Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years You've Been Waiting. We got a tweet, I think, a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am, of course, Nick Bobgarner, along with Chris Burke, here for another episode of our Detroit Lions podcast for The Athletic. And Chris, a lot going on, although for the Lions, sort of a lot, sort of not a lot. I don't know. I mean, about what we expected. Uh, how are we doing uh, at the end of week one here of free agency? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, we the Stafford for golf trade just got announced officially about five minutes before we started, so that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Okora, uh, Okora resigning, which I know we'll get into, is uh, a little bit of a surprise. That's probably their, I mean, their biggest move. They traded for Michael Brockers. Uh, I know, I know, we'll get into all this stuff, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it was. Uh, it's been as much about watching, you know, which guys are leaving and where they're going yeah. as it is who's coming in. And there was a moment uh, Wednesday where I just went through and, like, even counted through the contracts they currently have and tried to figure out, like, how many of them are actually guys that are going to be on this roster and, like, have to play. Because if you get right. down past the top 25 there are names on that roster that I am sure people listening to this show do not know are Detroit Lions right now. So um, I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see where they go f- from here because, uh, I mean, at some point, you know, we know this year is probably going to be rough. They're stockpiling comp picks for 2022. They're already, yeah. I mean, they're sitting on three or four of them right now with Galladay adding another one at some point. Um but you got to put a roster out there too. So right. yeah, there's something else. There's got to be some movement here uh, in the second and third wave as we get into things. Well, let's start with the people who have gone because I think that you said it. That's been the sort of um, bigger theme, I guess. Um, and you know, I was looking yesterday. We wrote, um, we did a roster tiers thing in early February where we put the bubble of players who were probably you know gone and guys who might have been on the fringe and I think uh I think we got that right Chris uh so we had Desmond Trufant Justin Coleman Danny Shelton Christian Jones Jesse James Chase Daniel David Blau and uh, Nick Williams on the bubble list and I think only Williams and Blau remain and I don't know about David Blau now that Tim Boyle just signed uh yesterday but, you know, these were all contracts, most of these contracts, you know, Trufant, Coleman, Shelton, some of these, not Shelton, I guess, but like some of the rest of these, we talked about this, you know, and, and Joe Dahl has obviously been involved in that as well. He's gone too, but like a lot of these were, you had to do it. There was no, they're going to carry a lot of dead money uh, this year, but, you know, Coleman, Trufant, Christian Jones, you had to get out of these. Chase Daniel, Jesse James, these just no option. And I think that we've talked about this for some time now, but as time goes on, it was just going to shine more light on the mistakes that were made, um, you know, during the Bob Quinn era, especially via free agency. And I would say, especially in these last couple of years, because, you know, it was just one after the other. Yeah. I mean, they're sitting on, uh, now that the golf Stafford trades official, they're sitting on about 40 million in dead money. And that's Oof. with off the chase. Daniel cut is not official yet. That'll add right. another two and a half million. Nick Williams, frankly, I'm shocked is still on this too. roster. That's uh, that'd be another, uh, or Daniel would be three million dead money. Williams would be one million, but you'd save almost five million in cutting yeah. Nick Williams, who was a, a disappointment. I think we can say last mm-hmm. year. Um, but again, uh, I don't know. Maybe they see him as someone who could help him. We haven't really heard anything about Nick Williams. Chase Daniel, I think, right? We know is getting cut or 
traded somehow, I guess. Um, That's over. But yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I think some of this, you know, uh, some of it, uh, I hesitate to blame Bob Quinn for all of it because like Justin Coleman, they signed him. um, He was a big name headed into free agency. He filled a need when he came in like that first five, six, seven games of 2019 when it looked like this thing might actually work. Justin mm-hmm. Coleman was a huge part of that. He was making plays all over the place. He was locking guys down in the slot. And so it sort of looked like they might have found something there. But, um, you know, obviously it it fell apart. Uh, you know, he just got – what was the contract he signed? It was like a this year huge. for two yeah. and a half million this year. Oh, though. this like, year, yeah, yeah, right. He just yeah, got yeah, like yeah. a right. cheap fly one-year flyer deal – uh, and like two and a half, three million, and the Lions were on the hook for like eleven million <laughs> this year for him. So you can see how far he fell. And then I think you also look around at um, just sort of how out of whack Bob Quinn's values were at certain positions. Like Chase Daniel is a five and a half million dollar mm. cap hit. They just signed Tim Boyle for one point five, and Jesse yeah. James was a four whatever it was twenty million dollar contract over four years. They got Josh Hill, who's going to serve the same role for one million. Like they just, right. I, I don't know. It, it's just I think it, some of some ways it felt weird as he was going through it. The ways that they were targeting some of these free agents, and now you look at it in hindsight, and it just, it, it's not hard to see why they're in the situation that they're in because they basically needed all these high price guys to come in and play like stars, and really. Uh, none of them have. I mean, yeah, maybe no, you can make a case no. for Trey Flowers being pretty good when he's been healthy, but even that, like, I don't, you know, he hasn't played like a $20 million no, a year guy, no. $50 million a year guy. So, yeah, I, I think it does just sort of highlight the situation that uh, Brad Holmes has found himself in here. Yeah, like, I think um, with True Font, you know, uh, Dan Campbell even, you know, when he got asked about, you know, you're going to be cutting some guys, and it was pretty obvious who some of these guys were going to be. And I think somebody brought up Trufant's name, and he kind of like winced because he's like, you know, I like Des, I like him, you know, I, you know, one of those things. But basically, <laughs> he didn't say this, but it's like I like him, but not for that money. Like, and I think that that's the situation here. Whereas like Coleman, you're, they were setting markets for some guys. Like Coleman, they gave him all that money, uh, highest paid slot corner in the NFL, and. You're right. I mean, like, was he a complete disaster? No, he wasn't a complete disaster. But he wasn't. He wasn't bad, I guess. Uh, in 2019, he wasn't great. He wasn't the highest, you know, whatever whatever his salary was. And then last year he had the injuries. But it's like for that money, there's no way. And like, you know, Jesse James, no way. You know, Trufant, probably same thing. Like some of these deals were just too big. Um, you know, and they made these decisions, and it was always like you wondered. Because the situation becomes so toxic. It's like, are you overpaying because you can't convince anybody to come here? Or do you just value these guys so much higher? Which, you know, sort of brings us into where what we've seen from the Lions here uh, in, in recent weeks, you know, has been shedding of these, you know, these attempts to rebuild your team via free agency for, you know, situations like Jamal Williams, Boyle, uh, Tyrell Williams, guys who are, are coming in here to serve roles uh, while the Lions rebuild and are doing so, you know, for reasonable salaries. And I think that that's, yeah, that's right. really how you should look at free agency in most years. Uh, and especially, I think, in this situation, as, as they said here, because, I mean, the Lions are in a unique spot. But I think the case could be made, like, you know, you don't want to get yourself in these situations where you're just, like, bogged down by, 
you're taking chances and you're up in up in the ante on all these guys. I mean, if you're close, I guess I get it, but man, like a lot of these things, they just stacked up. And then when you look, like you, like you said, you just look at them all on a sheet. And if you're Brad Holmes the, on day one of the job, I'm sure it's just like, my God, like one, two, three, <laughs> one after the other. And yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't imagine they're done. Like you said it, like, I don't know if we can sit here and promise that Nick Williams is going to make it through. I no. mean, like yeah. their savings there. I mean, Blau, who knows? Carry on. I mean, carry on. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, we, we mentioned somebody like Stenberg, Jelani Tavai. Um, I guess we'll still see about like Will Harris and, and some of these other guys. Yeah. Too, I mean, I guess, really, any of these yeah. guys, like, we've been assuming Tracy Walker and Tyrell yeah. Crosby are going to be here. And I, I figure Tracy Walker will be, but I mean, Crosby, you can save 2.1 million by cutting him. Is he mm-hmm. your guy at right tackle? They've already talked about needing more depth there. Maybe they don't see him being a piece i mean i don't know i I think it is pretty wide open and we see this i mean this happens anytime you change over a regime but i think the lions are particularly in a really found themselves in a really tough spot dan campbell has talked about it the whole time um you know we're gonna have to be cheap this year we're gonna have to find some gems like that's just the reality of it and the the only real contract um you mentioned those other guys i mean williams is one year hills one year Boyle's one year the only two that are are longer term, um, Jamal Williams, uh, which is still a reasonable contract, was a two year, and yeah. then they added Michael Brockers in trade, who has an option for next year. Which I think I, I'm assuming the Lions won't pick that up, and they'll either just ride it out for one year, or it sounds like they might extend him, give him, a, new give one, him yeah. a short extension, and just you know he's got an eight million dollar cap hit this year, so maybe you lower that, keep him for two years, and. Um, he's one a year. I mean, you got to have some veterans in here mm-hmm. uh, somewhere, and so maybe he's your guy that you just kind of build that defense around from a leadership standpoint. I think that that's fine. They gave up, you know, what twenty twenty three seventh rounder for him. It was basically yeah. you know, they basically just took on that contract uh, to help uh, the Rams. So, yeah, I mean, I we knew this was going to happen. It's still it, it's a little jarring to see it all <laughs> go down because is, you're yeah. shedding. You know, I, I was looking back at like the week three starting lineup last year, or week four, whenever Galladay played for the first time, and like fifty mm-hmm. percent of that starting lineup is no longer going to be here, and that number is probably going to keep climbing uh, over the next couple weeks here. So it's it's a very significant reset. I think there probably are a couple more guys. Like you know, they restructure Jamie Collins, but like Collins, yeah. Vitai, Flowers, like there's guys I think they'd probably like to move from move on mm-hmm. from that they just can't because the contracts are so uh astronomical so i don't know i mean i i, I mentioned williams being on the roster is a little bit of a surprise is there anything else that's caught you off balance so far the brockers yeah. trade maybe <laughs> no i mean well yeah i guess that one was a little surprising just because it you know i guess we didn't expect it necessarily but um aquara romeo aquara i guess would be the one sure. yeah. move that you know and, I, and again i and i wrote um the other day that i I wrote it was curious, and we had some commenters in there that were like, I don't think it's curious, I think it's fine, and blah, 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 and all this. Which, again, I would say that, you know, I'm willing to um, entertain the idea that this is maybe even a good deal for Detroit, that it maybe even pays off, you know, long-term that, you know, he outperforms it. I don't think that it, that's impossible. He's had multiple seasons, you know, with really positive pass rush numbers and everything else, but, you know, that... That was a pretty big number. I mean, it, it was probably a little higher than I thought it would be that the Lions would go uh, for him. And I wasn't totally sure they were going to do it at all. I mean, I, that was, I guess, one where we were really uncertain about it. 
Uh, I was a little surprised that it was as high as it was, but I didn't, like, hate it. I guess that was the one thing, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, too. I mean, that was the one thing that I, I thought back and forth on. I guess I just kept going back and forth. Like, you know, has he done enough? I don't know. But, you know, he's done a lot. Nobody else has done anything. <laughs> and you need, like you said, Chris, you do need some veterans around here that are going to be positive influences on other people. And, you know, you have his brother who's a young guy, who's really talented, who I think could benefit from, you know, Romeo being around and, and the work work ethic and everything else that'll certainly uh, be passed down there. I, I You can certainly see the positives in it. Um, there, I think that he still has a lot to prove. But um, interesting, I guess. What, what was your thought on, on Romeo? And I guess I'd ask you the same thing. Was there anything that surprised you that either has or maybe hasn't happened yet uh, in these first couple weeks? Yeah, I mean, I, I was with you. I went back and forth on that one. I went back and forth. I was more uh, on the side of trying to hang on to Galladay than you were, too. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I went back and forth on that one. I mean, the Okora one, I think uh, it does make a lot of sense. I think you saw him. I mean, last year he took a noticeable leap in terms yeah, of I'd just agree. how he was as a player. I mean, two, you go back three years and he had a bunch of sacks, but it was a lot of like you know, mm-hmm. four or five seconds, the guy quarterback holding on to the ball. He had the one where he chased down Aaron Rodgers. Like it was just a lot of effort sacks. And I think last year you saw him develop into a legitimate pass rusher, um, which are hard to find. And and mm-hmm. when they get to the market, you know, they're getting contracts like what he got. Um, and so I, I think it made sense to hang on to him. He's still a young guy. You have his brother here. You maybe you can build around those two and have something pretty interesting not just this year, but two, three years down the line. I think we also need to see, you know, it's hard without seeing. I've been waiting for the final contract details to kind of roll in. I saw Tom Pelissero from NFL Network tweeted out some of them, um, but it was three years, $39 million, $14 million in signing bonus. But we don't know what the base salary is this year. We don't know. I'm assuming right. there's at least one. They could, they could tack on two voidable years, which would stretch it out. I mean, you could be talking about – you know, three years, thirty-nine million in in practice, where the cap hit this year is like six million, um, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that that wouldn't be bad. Yeah, that you, you kind of wait and see on that too. But yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's a smart move to hang on to him. And again, you're just trying to find guys that you really think can be part of this foundation moving forward. And um, as you look at guys like like I don't know that Trey Flowers is going to be here in two or three years. I don't think Jamie Collins right. is going to be here in two years. So you're looking at Romeo Okora, maybe Julian Okora, maybe Michael Brockers is in that conversation for you, and I do think it makes sense. And again, I, I think if you are planning on Romeo Okora continuing the trajectory he showed last year, uh, this could end up looking like a really good deal. I mean, if he's mm-hmm. that guy, if he's a double-digit sack guy who's winning one-on-ones and sort of forcing offenses to 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 feed extra blockers his way, like that's that's the type of guy you need up front. And so, um, you know, there's always risk in doing it, but I certainly can understand why they would want to keep him in house. Yeah, sixty-one pressures on a defense that scared like nobody, you know, <laughs> right. with their pass yeah, rush. Right. Which, which is, I mean, that's that's what it was. And, and you're right. I mean, because it built, you know, as the year went on, we were all sort of watching. You know, he had a couple sacks early, and it was like, oh, you know, Romeo's piling him up, right? Like it's like he's getting in there, and then you had to pay more attention. Like, is he? Are these just circumstance? Like, is it like you know, are these random where he's just kind of accidentally running into the guy who's making a mistake or something? But over time, you noticed that he was getting home. You know, 
on effort. He was getting home. His technique was cleaner. Um, you know, I think he'll probably draw more attention as time goes forward here, and we'll see how he handles that. But I think that you have to look at those pressure numbers and just say, look, this defense sucked in like everything yeah, it did, and right. he was the only guy that showed up and was pretty consistent with with that from wire to wire. He's he's going to give up something in in the run game. He's not great against the run, or at least he hasn't been. But you know, I mean. If we're looking at just one thing that he does really well, I mean, he was finding a way. And, you know, we talk about Trey Flowers. I mean, we haven't seen that from him. We haven't seen, you know, numbers like that from him. So I think that, you know, the, the more I thought about it, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to, to buy that it's possible, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. With Galladay, um, yeah, I was in the camp the, of doing exactly what they did. I thought that was exactly what they needed to do. Um, and I think as we look at it now... Uh, I don't see a lot of teams lining up to pay him $20 million. I don't even know if we are going to see teams lining up to pay him 18 uh, I don't know. And I guess that that's the thing that always hung up for me the whole time was like, I don't know what he wanted. Um, and, you know, I don't know if this was, we still don't really know if this was something where Bob Quinn truly lowballed him or they came to him with something that was, a lot of people would maybe deem fair, and he said no and took a chance on it, and now he's in the situation he's in. I don't know, but like you said earlier, now this is, what, three or four comp picks? You get a comp pick for Prater, I think, right? At, at least something in there because he's going too. So. Yeah, I mean, I think they're sitting yeah. on I, – I, I don't know, again, like the Jawan Williams addition might cancel some, some one of the lower, maybe the Agnew one out, but Agnew, mm-hmm. Jared Davis, like, yeah, if you're geez. talking about surprises, there Jared go. Davis got more money – than Jayon Brown, uh, which I understand from Brown's, you know, Brown wanted to stay in a defense he knew. He wanted to hit the market yeah. next year and more teams have more money. But um, even reading our uh, Connor Hughes, our Jets beat writer, like his analysis of what the Jets think they're getting in Jared Davis doesn't sound like the Jared Davis we just no. watched. Um, it sounds like sort of the pie in the sky Jared Davis everybody talked about maybe he could be. And so I guess – Maybe Robert Sala, maybe they unlock him, and, and he turns into right. that blitzing, like hybrid edge type guy who's just flying all over the place and clobbering people and making plays. But um, I, I was surprised to see the numbers there, and, and I was surprised the Jamal Williams signing to me is a really, yeah. really good addition good. at mm-hmm. a reasonable price. Um, you know, that's a that's a extremely strong backfield. Uh, with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, and for the moment, carry on Johnson. I mean, you can do a lot of things in there. Jamal Williams is a really good uh, sort of role guy. You know, we saw it in Green Bay. He could step in and start if guys are hurt. He can play on third downs. He can pass protect. He can pass catch. I mean, he can pretty much do a little bit of everything for you. And as we went through, you know, kind of lining up free agent options for him when we hit running backs like that was it was basically like him and mike davis i think maybe might have been up there but it was jamal williams like if they can get this guy they you know without paying him starter money i think you Mm got to go get him and make it make an attempt saying that i didn't really expect him to do that so i think that that was a nice little find for them uh at the start of free agency that just you know maybe it takes away a sixth round comp pick but it gets you a lot of strength in your backfield. That's probably the biggest surprise for me is that they actually were able to pull that off. I would agree. That's uh, he was ideal. <clears throat> I mean, he was the. And you're right. I mean, we went through the all those positions. We did it a couple times, and it was like every. I didn't even list him once because I was like, I don't think they're gonna be able to get him. I think he's gonna, 
he's going to end up commanding more, or maybe Green Bay will want to keep him. Because, you know, when it when it got to like December or January and it became clear that, you know, Swift's going to be the guy no matter what happens here, uh, or at least a, or at least a guy they, you know, they build around or, you know, someone who's going to figure highly into this. But you knew that they were going to have to find, you know, a number two for him or a 1B or something that had a similar, you know, ability to catch the ball, be versatile with his skill set, move around a little bit and maybe even play together. And the first guy that we thought like, it was Williams. It was like, well, that's him. I mean, he was he was exactly that for Aaron Jones. He was perfect in that role. I think the Packers loved him. I was surprised. I guess I was surprised they gave Aaron Jones the money they gave him. To be quite honest, maybe out, outright. But for the Lions, no, you're right. I mean, you had to address this one way or the other. Uh, you know, going into the year uh, with Swift and just carry on Johnson. I don't think anybody was ready to do that. I mean, I know that Deuce Staley, you know, complimented carry on and. It, Sounds like maybe they're at least entertaining the idea of giving him another shot at it and, and see what happens. But you needed something else. You needed somebody who, uh, he's, carry-on is on a prove-it situation. You needed somebody to come in here and be that guy, like, right now. And Williams is absolutely that that person, I would think. Um, you know, good receiver out of the backfield. Like we said, I mean, he played a ton with Jones on the field at the same time. The Packers' two-back stuff was great. Um, you know, he can take a lot of the load off. Uh, with some of the stuff between the tackles, Swift doesn't have to get beat up as much. I thought it was perfect. I thought that was the best player, the pl- the best player ad that Brad Holmes has made. And granted, it hasn't been much. It hasn't been a lot of guys, but like I thought that was the best one uh, by quite a bit. And like you say, I I agree with you. I I was surprised. I thought maybe there'd be more competition. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's definitely something that now I think they don't have to use a pick. You know, at running back, and I think that's the other the other part here too is like you probably didn't want to use one if you didn't have to if you could find somebody like this. Otherwise, you're looking at maybe like a Mike Davis or or what have you, which wouldn't have been necessarily bad. But it, I'm not sure how uh, you know if that would have been better than this. I don't think so. So, uh, really good ad there. What about what about um, you mentioned uh, Hill earlier, the tight end uh, Tyrell Williams. We've uh, I looked at him. You know what, what what have you thought on some of the other uh, additions here. Uh, and then maybe, you know, we've written a little bit about who else is out there. Some of these other cuts that are, that are sitting out there. What else are you looking at right now in terms sure. of, um, feeling this out? Uh, yeah, I mean, Hill and Williams, I think they serve their purposes that they're here to serve. I mean, Hill, I tweeted out, like, I think he's Dan Campbell's like Dan Campbell. Like, yeah. He's a guy that's just going to be in there. He's going to, you know, block for you, whatever you want him to do a tight end. He's going to go give you, he's just going to go do his job for a million bucks and uh, help you set this set this culture and set the scheme and all these sorts of things. And I think he's, you know, they needed a guy like that. Um, I don't know who their third tight end is. I'm curious to see if Hunter Bryant mm-hmm. maybe gets a more extended look. I kind of would like that to mm-hmm. be their third yeah. tight end and just see what he can do. But, um, you know, you needed a guy like that to let Hawkinson move around a little bit more. He's going to be your inline guy, and that's fine. Um, Tyrell Williams is... That's a really interesting one to me because I was a fan of his game back when he was healthy and with mm-hmm. the Chargers. I mean, he's a guy who could stretch the field for sure. And he talked, you know, he did his uh, initial media availability um, with the Lions media and, and said the front office kind of sold him this vision of him being more of an all-over receiver and uh, running routes all over the field. And, you know, I don't know, maybe they just – that might just be a thing front offices tell yeah, all wide right. receivers, yeah. but uh, it'd be I, I, I'd be curious to see if he's capable of doing it because I, I think when he signed it was um, all right. Well, this is uh, 
kind of the Marvin Jones type replacement, someone who's going to win you some contested balls. He's going to get vertical. He's going to, you know, just pull some defensive backs down the field. And if he's more than that, if he's healthy and he's able to be a, you know, 60, 70 catch guy, then uh, that's not bad. That's a decent value for him too. And I think that there's certainly, you know, talent and uh, some upside there. And I think that's all you're looking for in these signings is can you get guys cheap who maybe are going to outperform these contracts? That's, you know, that's sort of the goal. And I think that he's got a chance to do that. Uh, And then moving forward, I mean, I mentioned offensive line. They've talked about needing more tackle depth. They obviously still need, I mean, the wide receiver depth chart is still looking mighty thin right now. Uh, They Mm -hmm. still need to go get something there, whether it's in the draft or or free agency. And I, I do think that, we're going to see him do something um, in the back end of that defense. They have to, right? I mean, they still yeah. need s- multiple guys at corner and safety. And those, those are markets that uh, there's some guys who should be cheap, but also guys who have been cut that, you know, wouldn't count against the, the comp pick formula if that's the game they're playing. So, uh, I mean, I think that that's sort of where I would focus most of my attention. Yeah. <clears throat> Williams is a really, really good athlete. Like, I mean – probably underrated in that sense like it's not just the speed I mean his explosion and ability to sort of get moving from a dead stop I think is what you know kind of makes him really interesting I mean you see all these highlight reel you know the back shoulder catches I mean pretty much anything in the air he's been able to go get you know he's got the big catch radius everything else so for like you said that's one for a one year whatever it is up to six million uh, you're offering him opportunity to get, you know, 90 targets or something. And if he does a ton with it, then all of a sudden, boom, you got something maybe that, you know, a younger guy who's still, you know, got a shot to to prove that he's not, you know, scrap heap material just yet. And maybe that works out for you. But I think we'll see more of those sort of trickle in as it goes here, um, you know, across the way. And I guess we'll see. What do you think about Tim Boyle? We haven't, t- we haven't talked much about uh, the yeah. legend. Tim Boyle. Legend, yeah. That's an interesting because uh, the golf trade gets official today. Um, but Tim Boyle, before we get into anything with that, uh, Packers folks really like this guy. He comes yeah. in t- 2018 as an undrafted rookie, uh, basically beats out Deshaun Kaiser the next year for the backup job. And I think, you know, it surprised everyone when they drafted Jordan Love. But. His preseasons have been kind of legendary in Green Bay, and I think people thought maybe he was better than Jordan Love. I, I don't know all the way on that, but uh, an interesting addition, I guess, and one that I think at, at bare minimum seems to make the quarterback room better, which is you know certainly needed. Yeah, um, uh, just real quick, my last thought on Tyrell Williams, and then I'll oh, get, sure. get to Boyle. But I mean, I think that well, two two things really. I think one, you're the the upside on some of these guys is if Tyrell Williams goes out and has a really good like he's mm-hmm. healthy and has a really good first seven eight weeks I think you might see the Lions trying to add some guys that could do that and then they can maybe flip at the trade deadline totally. just for something uh, I know it doesn't happen as much in the NFL as it does in in you know other sports but uh, possibilities there and Absolutely. then I, Jared yeah. Goff the best year of Jared Goff's uh, career came when he had a legitimate downfield threat that he could get to off play action and so that in theory he has that now and so we'll see if it plays out that way and I think they probably will add more more speed somewhere whether it's the draft or you know just signing a slot guy or whatever so I I do think that that's interesting but Tim Boyle yeah I mean (laughs) there's always uh like the backup quarterbacks the backup goalie like people always want (laughs) people always fall in love with these guys but I do think that there is uh 
something there. I mean, you're right. I do Green too. Bay, yeah. Green Bay people. Uh, you know the the beat writers out there watching him last summer when you know that was when everything was pretty much closed off. There was no preseason, so it was not a lot of eyeballs on what mm-hmm. was going on in Green Bay. Uh, and people came away pretty impressed by what he was doing there. And like you said, I think they did think he was. Uh, better than Jordan Love. I saw one, I can't remember which Green Bay beat writer it was, but I saw one of them tweet uh, Wednesday night that, and I don't think he was joking, uh, he's going to go in and compete with Jared Goff for the starting job. Yeah, (laughs) right. I saw that. So maybe, uh, I I don't know. I mean, he's definitely got an arm. um, He does have an arm. And he's put some stuff on tape when there was preseason um, that kind of intrigues you. And I think to go back to the point we started at, you're getting him for $4 million cheaper than Chase Daniel, and there is not a $4 million gap no. between Chase Daniel and Tim Boyle. And, in fact, as you kind of hinted at, you're probably getting the better quarterback here. Yeah, I think you're improved. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a win. Uh, I mean, I think you got to chalk that up as a plus for Brad Holmes. I mean, look, if Jared Goff's – most of his situation here, and a lot of it anyway, I guess, is going to revolve around his confidence, right? Like – is he going to have? Is he going to be able to to rehab that? Is it going to get back here? Tim Boyle is going to enter this enter this deal with no lack of confidence from all these little highlight tapes I've seen on these preseason games that you see from him that just feature these dimes all over the field. He doesn't care. I mean, they let it. They let him let it rip um, in a couple of those, and he does have quite a bit of arm talent. And I don't know if he's going to push golf, but like. Yeah, a nice little addition there. I think overall, I think you know we'll see probably more of that sort of fill out the rest of the way here before they get to the draft. But you mentioned it, and that's the big. I guess it's not news today, but uh, the big whatever. Uh, you know, Lions didn't finalize the Golf Stafford trade yesterday, but they did do that today here on Thursday. Matthew Stafford now officially a Los Angeles Ram, and Jared Goff now officially a uh, Detroit Lion. I, I know we've talked about this quite a bit, but you know now that it's official uh, and it's over for Stafford here and the golf era begins, I think a couple things. You know, number one, you know, we can get into this in a second. I, I assume that a golf restructure or something is is probably on the way, or at least going to be discussed heavily here. Number two, I guess you know you wrote a good story this morning that that went up about you know kind of a farewell to Matthew Stafford. Now that that's official, did it hit you any different? Uh, you see the pictures coming out here now of him wearing, <laughs> yeah. uh, wearing the Rams jersey and everything. The the nine minute tribute video. I thought that I thought that was kind of cool actually. That it was yeah, nine. That was I saw really people. Well I saw people complaining like that's a little long. I'm like it's nine minutes. That was hilarious. They didn't have to put it exactly at nine. I thought that was perfect. So, is it hitting you any different now that uh, Stafford is officially no longer uh, part of this franchise? Yeah, the uh, Rams Jared Goff tribute video was two and a half Not minutes. The same. If so yeah. uh, <laughs> you're keeping score at home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It is weird to see. I mean, especially to see the photos of Stafford yeah. uh, in the Rams jersey. It'll be weird. Uh, Jared Goff's uh, supposed. To, I think the, the official introduction is supposed to come Friday in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I think he's already in town. I'm sure doing physicals and meeting people and all that. So. It it is different. It's going to be certainly different when we get into whenever the off season workouts are happening, and uh, when we get to the games next year for sure. And to just have someone different there, because even yeah. going back and watching that, you know, watching the Stafford farewell video, um, you know, we're pretty removed. I think at this point from the 
kind of fan emotions of it, but it still is whenever there's a guy who's just so ingrained in a franchise's history like that and, and is such a, a part of everything that's gone on for a place for so long. I mean, um, it, it does kind of, it is kind of jarring when it gets to the end of the line and, and things are changing. I mean, and it's mm-hmm. happened here, uh, it happened to Detroit quite a bit in recent years with a lot of, you know, it happened with the Tigers with all those guys going out. It happened with the Red Wings with, you know, Zetterberg and Lidstrom and all those guys retiring. Um, but I think it is different too when the guy isn't retiring, when he's going somewhere else. Right, and that's yeah. different than, you know, Barry retired, Calvin Johnson retired. And so I think it's going to take a minute to wrap our minds around seeing Stafford playing somewhere else um, and playing against the Lions in 2021. Uh, that's going to be uh, a show. But yeah, I mean, it, I think it did hit a little different just because, you know, we knew we've been talking about it for two months now. We knew that the trade was happening and it was official and all those things. But um, it it is this has been Matthew Stafford's team since 2009. And uh, mm-hmm. there's just so much uncertainty moving forward that, you know, it, it's going to take a minute to get used to what's going on here. It's going to take a minute to get used to what's going to happen with Stafford and the Rams. I mean, like that's a, you know, that, and that's the thing for the line. I mean, that's the thing to monitor here is those picks are obviously tied to, you know, how it goes there. And that's something I've been thinking about actually the last couple days, maybe more than I had in the previous two months is like, you know, what's that? I still don't know what that's going to look like. I think that that's something that I'm super, I'm not the only one, obviously, but super fascinating to see, you know, sort of if that works uh, the way they want it to. And I think so much about, Jared Goff's narrative uh, hinges on, you know, Sean McVay not thinking he was, you know, capable of pushing forward, whether or not that's real, or if it was just a case of a younger quarterback losing all confidence because his coach clearly lost all confidence in him. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's going to be super interesting, and I and I just I'm not totally totally convinced that it's going to be a slam dunk for Stafford and the Rams. Maybe it will be, but I'm not totally totally convinced that the lions aren't going to have a great pick next year of their own and a good one from one of the rams i mean it's certainly possible uh that that happens and then so you know again we talk about jared goff we haven't i know we've talked about him a little bit here on the on the show um you know as things stand right now right right today he's going to talk tomorrow obviously and you know he's their starting quarterback going forward when you look at his deal you look at everything else I guess we still don't know, right, Chris? I mean, we still don't know what the answer long-term is here for the Lions at quarterback. It's He's here now and today, but now that this is official and this is real, uh, we're going to have to start sort of getting closer to an answer on what we think maybe they're going to do. Uh, but what's what's the read right now at the quarterback situation in general? Uh, your thoughts on the draft with it, everything else we've seen. You know, we saw Trey Lance's pro day, I think, the last time since we've last talked on the podcast here. Looked pretty um, good. Yeah, looked pretty good. <laughs> looked pretty good. So where are you sitting? Let's talk about that a little bit here. Where are you sitting right now on the, on the quarterback situation, all things considered, uh, headed forward here? Well, I mean, I, I don't know that anything's really changed for me. I think you you got to keep everything on the table for you in round one. If you're in love with Trey Lance, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, go get Trey Lance. You've got the ammunition to go make something happen at the top of this draft if you really need to. You maybe can't get to two, but you could get to three or four or wherever you need to get to if you think one of these guys is going to be your quarterback of the future. And, the, you know, 
those pro days are who knows like it's yeah. there's no defense out there it's they've got these scripts that they rehearse before they go out there but you could see in Lance why you know oh, why yeah. he's up there he's got a huge arm he's a physical guy he's athletic I mean he's really intriguing and I think those top four I'm still not on the Mac Jones bandwagon no I don't know why so many people are as a top 10 guy <laughs> Uh, if he's your t- if he's your second round pick or you're trading back into round one at the end to get him, sure. But uh, at seven, I don't consider him among the the options with these other four guys. But if Fields is there or Trey Lance is there for the taking, and you think he's your guy, I I think you still make that pick because uh, even I mean I wrote about the golf contract and and it came out as they made this trade official that it, the Lions aren't even taking on as much as we thought because the Rams picked right. up his roster bonus for this year. So that's two and a half million the Lions are saving. But, um, you know, I went through and sort of laid out what a full renegotiate or restructure of that contract would look like and then what a partial restructure would look like. And if you do the something in that partial range, I mean, you can get the base salary way down 12, 13 million this year. You can still get out more or less after two years without taking too much of a hit. I don't Mm -hmm. think you need to, you know, I don't think this is one or the other here. I don't think it's either, well, he's just our stopgap guy. Don't worry about the contract or let's commit to him for seven years. Like, I think there's some middle ground there where you can um, uh, sort of manage the money and not bury yourself into the future. So I think everything's still on the table here. I, I am really curious to see what Jared Goff looks like uh, away from that team because I don't uh, – he's not a terrible football player. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like they traded for Mike Glennon. Like, this is a guy <laughs> right, yeah. who can go do some things on a football field. We've seen him – you know, I, I they're going to keep hyping up his wins, which yeah, – whatever. Right, like, I don't – you know, I mean, I guess that, that it helps that he's played in the playoffs and he's won some big games, but – that doesn't do a whole lot for them in 2021, but I mean, he's certainly has experience and he's put some, I mean, when he was going good, it looked like he was going to be one of the better quarterbacks in this league for a while. And so you, you just wonder if maybe they think they could tap back into some of that. Yeah, I do. I mean, you, if you can surround him with, you know, a quality run game, which, you know, they're, they're continuing to sort of invest in that. And I think you know, they're going to have to, uh, for a number of different reasons, I think that's they're closer in that area anyway. Surround him with a good run game. You know, if you can get some speed in here uh, in the draft and continue to sort of add pieces, you know, who knows, right? And I think that that's like you said. I mean, you set yourself up for a situation where it's not impossible that we get two years down the road here, and Jared Goff's had two really really good years, and it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe, and he's like he's twenty eight or something like that, and it's like, well, this is a, the math changes, right? Maybe something's different. But at the same time, you know, I do think that you look at this and you say, you know, it feels like the Lions are in a situation here where they almost need to take a quarterback this year or next year high uh, in the draft because it's not a promise that Jared Goff's going to be anything different than what we're viewing him as right now in two years. That's not a promise either. So you look at all the all the stuff on the board, you know, today, and you mentioned Lance. The other thing I've been thinking about is, I'm now not sure if you're going to even be able to stick and get Trey Lance. I don't know if that's a guarantee either. I mean, you know, I think his pro day, if anything else, it was just more confirmation that this guy's arm is ridiculous. I mean, the ball was just humming off of his his hand. I mean, you watch his game tape, it's the same way. But 
all those, all of those throws, all the off-platform stuff, all of the shot stuff. I mean, everything looked exactly how you want it. He's huge. We know he's fast. There's so much you can do with a kid like that. And maybe he's ready, maybe he's not, whatever. You'd still be in position to do that. I think he probably helped himself. And this could be a situation where if you're the Lions, you say, okay, well, maybe they're all gone. Maybe all of them are gone. And maybe we should get in on the, uh, maybe let's lie and tell everyone we think Mac Jones is a top 10 pick <laughs> so you can trade it. Or yeah. or you're sitting into a situation you say, okay, well, let's say that all four of those quarterbacks are gone. Well, that's probably going to pop out somebody that we didn't expect to be there at seven that now maybe you have a shot at maybe Sewell is slides down. Maybe even like, you know, that would certainly seem to suggest that maybe Smith and Waddle make it out if those four yep. quarterbacks are gone. Hits, and maybe yeah. Jamar Chase. I don't know. But like yeah. it, it changes a lot, I think, depending on, you know, how teams view Lance and, you know, where sort of he falls, I think is going to have such an impact here on the whole thing. Well you mentioned sort of what the what the difficulty is here because Goff is I don't want to say he's an unknown, but what you're going to get from him is kind of unknown, and you still right. have to sort of plan around it, you yeah. know, because you, if you think uh, – there's a possibility that they think he can be their guy, right? I mean, like yeah, there, no, there's totally. a possibility that they traded for him and Absolutely. said McVay ruined him last year. Yeah, there better be. Saw him <laughs> two years ago. Like, look at what he can do. If we get this offense the way, you know, like there's a possibility that they see him as that guy. Mm-hmm. If they don't, it gets a little more complicated because I, I don't know. Like if you're drafting a guy now and you're hooked to golf for two years, you know, it, you've got a balance there. You've got to figure out if you're waiting to see what he can do and saying, well, let's get something in next year's draft. Then you're counting on you know, everything falling into place for you a year from now where right. there's a great quarterback there, prospect there and you're picking in exactly the spot you need to be in. This is this is a bit of a unique year because not only are you picking in the top 10, but usually we're talking about one, two, maybe three quarterbacks who can get into the top 10. Right. This year we're talking about four who could go in the top six. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... I don't know how many times this opportunity is going to come ar- ar- around. And, you know, you don't want to look ahead and say, well, the next year's class doesn't look as good because, like, Zach Wilson was barely on the radar a year ago at this time. And now he's going to be the number exactly. two, maybe yeah. the number two pick. But this class, as it is now compared to next year's class, knowing what we know about it, it looks like there might be more strength in this class. And so I, I, it, it's tough to figure out exactly which way to go with it because you don't want to. Uh, you don't want to commit to the wrong quarterback, but you also don't want to miss out on a quarterback because then you're scrambling too. Either way, it's a really yeah. tough uh, road to kind of navigate here. And um, I don't want to. I don't think Goff necessarily makes it uh, worse or a harder decision than they would have had otherwise. But it, just sort of how they feel about him internally is going to dictate a lot of what they do here. I think over the next month to the next year. Hundred percent, and I think that you, 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 we have to keep in mind here, or keep pointing out that you know, even if they don't take one right now, if they don't take a guy, if they take Jalen Waddle or something, they stay at seven, take Waddle or whatever. Um, you know, I've looked at. You have to look at this thing, the, the trade value, the, the stuff they got back in the golf trade. Again, we just said this. It's not impossible that 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 first rounder from the Rams next year. It might. There's no promise that says Stafford and the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. We don't know that. It could be a decent pick. And even if it's not, it's a first-round pick. You know, the Lions should have, if if they find themselves in a situation next year 
where they want to make another move and go get a quarterback, they will have, I would think, you know, the capital to do that. So I look at it, yes. I mean, I think we've both been in agreement this whole time. There's four guys in this draft, especially lately. You know, the more you look at Lance, the more it seems, you know, he's a top 10 draft pick. There's four guys in this draft right now, quarterbacks, that I think are worthy of top 10 picks. I think we all probably agree on that. I think most people would. Hard to pass on that, right? Like, I mean... All four of them look pretty solid. Not slam dunks on everybody, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody's got, even Lawrence, I guess, to a smaller degree. But you know, everybody's got things you can nitpick and holes, and you, you'd probably want to wait on Lance a minute. And the Lions are set up to do that. You might even want to wait on Fields and maybe Wilson too. I don't know. Um, but man, that's the thing that that just keeps hammering in your head is like, are you really going to sit here with with number seven and all these other picks at your disposal? And not take one of these guys because that to me, you better really not like them. You know what I mean? Because I think that's where we're headed with this. And, and the question that's going to have to get answered privately for them is, you know, tell me why we shouldn't draft one of these guys. Somebody tell me why. That, that I mean, that's going to be a a tough one. And I, I really don't know what the answer to that is right now because it's yeah. still one that's hard for me to sort of wrap my head around because I there's a lot of different things you could do in this draft and feel pretty good about it. But you're trying. The opportunity here suggests that you you want to feel elite about it. You want to feel like you did the best you possibly could in this situation, and, I, and that has to start and stop the conversation, doesn't anyway, with the quarterbacks. And I, it's a tough one. I, I really don't know. Yeah, and again, we're really trying to figure out what Brad Holmes' sort of mo is going to be. But if you go back to L.A. and for better or worse, and people certainly can criticize that he was so adamant about. Jared Goff, uh, you know, in hindsight, but that's the whole story around them picking Jared Goff is that Brad Holmes was a big part of that. And then he said, like, look, we're building this thing, but we can't build it to the point we want to without having a quarterback here. Let's go get a quarterback, do whatever we need to do to go get a quarterback. And so, you know, you look at that history. uh, I don't think Goff, even if they like Goff, like, I, I don't know that this qualifies as them doing everything that they in their power to explore the quarterback market. Like I think if, again, if they see a guy here that they um, are really in love with, if they think Trey Lance or Justin Fields is the guy who in a year, mm-hmm. I think you're probably looking at least a year, maybe two years out and saying, what's, where are we going to be with this project in a year? And what do we need to have at the quarterback position at that point? Cause if you start Justin Fields or Trey Lance week one this year, yeah. whatever it doesn't do yeah. anything for anyone you're not going to win a bunch of games this year like it's just not going to happen so you're looking a year out you're looking two years out what's the guy we want in that spot in two years and if one of those guys is it then then maybe and you know just i don't know looking ahead to next year again i don't know who's going to be there at the end there are some names slovis at the usc and sam mm-hmm. howell brock purdy desmond ritter like there's some names that could be up there but i don't know uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where they go, and I think that that's probably the best case scenario for them is to have teams guessing where they're going to go because yeah. uh, that's that's sort of the way you maximize some of this value in the draft if you're looking to trade things too is to have teams uh, just sort of scrambling when you're on the clock. Um, I, I mean, I did want to ask you about the the Brockers trade too. We, yeah. we brought it up and didn't really talk about it a, a ton. Um, Lions give up a you know a seventh rounder in 2023 for uh, a guy who's been 
Team Captain. One of the heart and soul yeah. guys in LA yeah. for a while now, and obviously playing next to Aaron Donald helps you boost your stats a little. But this isn't uh, this this doesn't look like a, a throwaway trade. I mean, this is a guy who I think can help them on and off the field. Yeah, I think that you know you're looking at situations where you're going to bring in a bunch of young guys. Uh, you've already got some that maybe you want to keep and. I mean, you're talking about, I think that was part of the Aquara uh, motivation too, is, you know, getting guys established uh, throughout the defense, you know, kind of at every level. That's why I think, you know, I think we would agree that, you know, if they could, if they could have brought in a quality veteran safety uh, in this, you know, in this, in this period, that would have been a swing worth taking. Obviously I didn't, you know, I don't, I didn't think they were ever going to be able to afford Johnson, John Johnson, but you know, whatever. I mean, that's another one where you just say, you go get a guy who's an established player professional knows how to work isn't going to put up with excuses or anything else i mean didn't sound like he was overly thrilled <laughs> with the situation uh one way or the other but you know a professional uh, who's going to come in here and work a guy who could probably still help them a little bit for however long he's here um but those are exactly the type of guys like dan campbell said this uh last week yeah, the, the quote was like you know we're going to find guys that can come in here one way or the other and help us while we get back on our feet you know, guys that, you know, can help us today and tomorrow and down the road, even if they're not here. Guys that, you know, can help our younger players, uh, help us compete, help us learn how to win, all those things. All super necessary because, again, this is a rebuild. This is a complete overhaul, restart. You're restarting everything from scratch. And so everyone that's here now is is going to be part of something that's starting over fresh. And you want to make sure you have guys, you know, you know, in your system somewhere who, you know, have something like that to lean back on and, and understand, you know, what it's like uh, to work. And, and it, you know, and I know that that's been the case in other stops too, but this is different in that, you know, I know that he's a Ram and I know that people are now panicking about, are, are <laughs> right, they only going right. to just make deals with the Rams? What's yeah. going on? I don't think Michael Brockers was considered, you know, the only type of, you know, when they signed Flowers and all the rest of these guys from the Patriots, it was like, well, they know the Patriot way, so they're coming here. That's not quite what this is. This is just, I think, maybe more convenience of Holmes knowing what he's getting uh, right. than anything else, and that makes more sense. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I think you're right. I think there probably is some frustration on Brockers' side because you're talking about either you're getting guaranteed money um, from a team that, you know, in the Rams that we're talking about as a playoff contender he spent his whole career there certainly has a lot of roots in that area or you're getting released and you get to go hit the market and pick wherever you want to go and instead you get dumped on a team that's probably not going to be very good <laughs> um right and so i and i do but i do think that that to your point um you can't just bring in any veteran and say you need you to lead us for this bad year like we're not going to be very good. We need some guys that are just going to help us get through this, help the young guys come along. You can't just go get anyone who's 30, 31, 32 years old and ask exactly. them to do that. You have to know that the guy you're getting is capable of handling that responsibility and isn't going to bail on you if you're 2 and 7 and right. isn't going to, you know, walk out if you say, "Well, we want to get the the young guy a few more snaps this week." And I think that that's part of why you see teams uh, or see GMs go back to players they're familiar with. I think that's why the Lions went to Brockers here. Sean McVay's talked about his his ability to be a leader and how he helps the young guys and takes them under his wing and everything. All these things the Lions certainly will need from him uh, this year. And, and so especially that first year and especially in the climate we're in now, 
you know, to come in and hit the ground running with for Brad Holmes in January, you're never going to have your full scouting system in place by March. Uh, you're never going to have uh, a, a, a full board built out the way you will next year. So mm-hmm. you go to guys that you, like you said, you already know their personality, you know, the effort you're going to get and, uh, to get Brockers, you know, for basically nothing yeah, is big. And I think that's probably, you know, maybe one of the reasons why you would see them restructure his, his deal is just to make him a little happier, give him some, you know, whatever guaranteed money up front, uh, some nicer terms. But I, I do think that's a really good trade. And I think, you know, especially again, as you're talking about um, trying to lay a foundation right now, but also not cutting into the future. Uh, this sort of checks off all the boxes for you. Yeah, and I, I i mean, we could just say this. I think they did a better job of this last year. The roster re- reflected this better. But, you know, for this situation, in this spot, like you said, I mean, they're just not going to be very good. It's going to str- They're going to struggle to win games. I mean, they can compete and still struggle to win games. They cannot, in the locker room, they can't have the bullshit, you know, this year. They right. can't have guys in there who are like, oh, this is just, this is stupid, or this isn't for me, or this isn't for anybody, and we're going to complain, and we're going to throw a fit. And, you know, look, we're not going to sit here and say that Matt Patricia didn't deserve plenty of that, maybe all of it. But you can't have what we just saw, you know, from the cracks of, you know, because those things influence younger players. They just do. When you have an older guy in the locker room who's panicked about his deal or something, uh, who's upset about his spot, or upset about this, or upset about that, and is being vocal about it, in a situation like this, when you are not going to be winning and, you know, great days uh, are going to look, you know, quite a bit further down the down the tunnel than you want to maybe admit, I guess, you just can't have the the complaining stuff. So, you know, yeah, I mean, adding a guy like Brockers, he might not be happy with the deal, but I mean, I think the idea is he'll get over it. And when he gets here, yeah. he'll go to work and be a pro. And you have to have that. It, the whole team has to be that. Anybody you bring in here now from now until start of whatever. And I think that that's something I, I, I got the sense that most Lions fans seem to understand that, but um, it just, that has to be, you know, on the top sheet of like, what, you know, what can this guy do athletically? But also one B on the question is, is he going to be able to maintain what we want locker room wise? Is he going to come in here and continue to foster the optimistic, whatever you can do to keep younger guys, you know, keep their heads fresh, keep them building towards something, because uh, that's everything right now for them. They cannot afford to have any of the, you know, this isn't what I signed up for or whatever else. And if that starts, those people got to go. Like, that's just how it's got to be right now. And I think you're right. I think that that does scare not just the trade with the Rams, but I think just even this talking point scares some people because it does sound a lot like what Matt Patricia did. Yeah. He came in and said, look, here's what we're going to do. If you can't get on board, then you're out. And I right. wouldn't be surprised, as I say, like I think there are some – some other players, some other contracts that we get down the road here a little bit, we might kind of raise an eyebrow when the Lions cut them, but I yeah. think it's possible when they get back into the building, they get back into team meetings, Dan Campbell's going to have exactly. a couple of these guys where he just says, nope, this is yep. not, I can't, I, don't, I can't work with this guy. And right. they cut someone who's we thought was going to be part of the plan. And I think that's probably going to happen. And it does, again, it sounds a little bit like, it sounds a lot like Patricia, but I think the main distinction that they're trying to make is, and the main distinction I guess I'll try to to vocalize somehow here is that it's the Patricia thing was this Matt Patricia is 
the buck stops here. That's uh-huh. it. Everything runs through Matt Patricia. Whatever he says goes. If you can't do exactly what Matt Patricia wants you to do, you're out. And I think the idea here, at least as it's been presented and from everything we've heard about Dan Campbell and about these you know, uh, coaches he's hiring and Holmes and mm-hmm. now Brockers, it's not a one-size-fits-all mentality. It's exactly. let's figure out how to make this locker room work for everyone in it. And that's going to be a different that, – that's a different personality test than what Matt Patricia was putting people through. And I think, you know, the the goal, the hope is that it's a better one and that it's, mm-hmm. when you get to the end of the line and you have a locker room of 53 guys who you've handpicked, it's uh, 53 guys who all understand where this thing is going and not just yes. one guy trying to drive it to a specific point and everyone kind of grabbing onto the bumper and hoping to – not fall off. So I, I I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that that's the idea. Yeah, and I really I really think that when you're honest with yourself as an organization, which I think they have been, you put yourself in a situation that that sort of allows for that. Whereas with Patricia, you know, they brought him in here under this like theory that he was going to take a, a decent team and turn him into a Super Bowl contender or something, right? I mean, and then it and then it turns into this just well, you're not good enough. You got to go. This is not good enough. This has got to go. Whereas this is a true rebuild in a situation of the only thing that's going to get you out of here is an unwillingness to be, you know, co- totally sold into the or sold out to the, you know, we need to build this thing together. And if you're coming in as a veteran, like your purpose is to support, help develop and help foster the younger players that, that they're drafting. Like that's what the Lions entire MO has to be as it goes forward here. The future of the franchise is going to be the younger players that they invest in. And if you're an older player that comes in here, they're going to give you opportunity to up your value, but they're going to ask that you come in here and serve as a mentor, uh, whatever else for all these younger players too, because that's the priority. The priority has to be the younger piece of the roster right now and everything, your whole focus has to be on making sure that you're getting, you know, in these next two drafts, especially you know, multiple starters on both sides of the ball, younger players that are come in here and help you turn this thing around. And all the veterans have to be on board with that. And if they're not, got to go. Like, and that's, yep. that's just how it's going to have to be. And yeah, pretty simple. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's the idea of the, look, we cut this guy cause he didn't, he didn't believe what we were trying to build here. Yeah. Like he didn't just, he couldn't get to where we needed him to be with his role and that's going to happen. And that's understandable. Yep. It's not going to be, well, we traded Quandre Diggs because we lost in Green Bay, and he went and uh, hugged some Packers right. players yes. after. Traded jerseys with someone. Uh, right. We just can't have that. That's <laughs> I don't I don't approve of that. And that's what right. like those were the reasons guys were getting traded yeah. and getting uh-huh. let go uh, in the previous regime. So I, I think it is a completely different. It sounds similar, like at its base, but I think it's a completely different approach to uh, sort of how you're trying to, to get this culture put in place and. Uh, I, obviously, ideally, it, it works out better than the yeah. last one did. Well, what's next? What we what uh, what are we thinking here? We've still got a couple weeks, and then draft heats up. But um, I guess that's that's yeah. I don't know. I don't think we're going to see any bigger waves. I guess in free agency, I, I would be surprised. I suppose. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're anticipating that to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think again, I think they still need to get some guys to fill out this roster, and I think they'll probably you're probably looking at people who are have been cut are going to be cut. Uh, maybe you get another Brockers type trade in here where it's just he will give you, you know, something mm-hmm. worthless down the line. <laughs> it will take that guy. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're going to the top of what's left and and sign in players. But I do think that they're 
uh, you know, we've laid out a bunch of guys who have connections to this coaching staff and to the GM, which again, I think that that helps in year one. Maybe we see some of those guys in. I think they have to find some veterans somewhere. They have to find some more uh, players at wide receiver. You're going to see them make some additions here, but I, I, assuming most of them are going to look like the ones that they've already yeah. done, which is you're taking a swing on someone you hope um, outplays his contract. It's a one or two year deal and you're just trying to plug things in for 2021 and, and get to a point where you can go into week one and say, all right, we can, we can figure out a way to win this game. Like yeah, that's the goal. Right. Yeah. You know, can, you don't want to be yeah. losing 45 to nothing every week. You want right. to believe you can win games. I think that that's however they get from here to there. That, that's what the next step has to be. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see how it goes. Obviously draft coverage will pick up again here. We'll probably get more into that um, next week. And then obviously throughout the rest of the month and into April is that'll be a huge Deal lines up to what, like uh, 10, 11 picks for next year or something like that already? It's got to be in double digits, right? I think with everything they've got on the yeah, right. ledger. I think they're, yeah, I think uh, counting the comp picks, right? Yeah, like, so yeah, 11? Yeah. a lot to work with, which, you know, I mean, they could trade back and get some more this year too. Who, who knows? We'll see. We'll be here to uh, check it all out. Chris, we got anything else today before we ride out here? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I would have... Oh, I guess we can just mention the... Uh, um, those of you who haven't subscribed yet, oh, we yeah. are running the dollar per month uh, deal for your first six months of your subscription. So head over to The Athletic. We have a bunch of stuff up from this week on free agency, and and uh, we'll have the golf, some more golf coverage as he gets announced on Friday. So, yeah, dollar per month for new subscribers right now, and that deal is running uh, through the first week of April, I think. Yep. So yep. Um, come get in now, and we'll have tons of – free agency and draft coverage like nick said yeah one of the best deals we have all year for sure so make sure if you haven't already uh take care of that for yourself and if you're if you're someone who uh, waits for these deals to renew a uh, good chance to do that as well so uh that'll do it for this week uh, i'm sure we'll be back in the coming weeks here as uh, like we said things will pick up well they have picked up i guess i don't know what i'm what am i talking about here but they'll continue to pick up <laughs> uh over the coming weeks chris and i'll be here to cover it all In the meantime, be good to each other. We'll talk to you guys later. For Chris, I'm Nick. We'll talk soon.